Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. from work. That was wonderful. Did you watch fireworks? Did you party and hang out with your friends? I personally had a lot of options this year. I went to a party and uh, on, on, on the 4th of July, yes, I went to a party, a day party, and uh, that was great fun with my girlfriend, Ebony. And then on Saturday, uh, my friend, Jean, and a couple of her friends, uh, and I went to a picnic which was called the Chosen Few Picnic. At first, I thought the name was really funny, uh, given the fact that last year there was something like, uh, as far as I heard, about 40,000 people who showed up at this picnic. So calling it the Chosen Few seemed a little ridiculous to me. <laughs> but as it turned out, uh, I was told when I got there that the reason it was called the Chosen Few picnic wasn't because there were a chosen few, although somebody did say to me, well, you know, it's really a 40,000 really is a chosen few when you consider the fact that it is against all of the chosen few, uh, all of the people in America. So compared to whatever the number is, 26 billion people, uh, 40,000 might actually be. 
Well, that's not actually why it's called the Chosen Few Picnic. It was called the Chosen Few because the DJs were called the Chosen Few because apparently every year they select uh, the Chosen Few DJs who get to come out and they get to perform at this fabulous picnic, 6 a.m. to 8 p.m., and I think it was at uh, Jackson Park in Chicago, and it was just, the weather was phenomenal. It was great. There was way more food. We all brought more food than we could possibly eat. And it was just a lovely time of fellowshipping. It was just absolutely wonderful. I, I ran into people that I knew, which is an odd thing considering how many people were there. And I met a whole lot of new people. And everybody was just, you know, the men, the women, everybody was just happy. And we were all just hanging out, listening to some house music and uh, barbecuing and chattering away and getting to know each other and doing some networking. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal event. And uh, I had about five other things that I uh, could have done and um, certainly could have gotten out to do if I would chosen to, but... My goal is to get balance, balance between great activity and stillness and just being home and being mindful and, you know, getting the house in order for the week and doing some homework and doing some things I wanted to do. So it was a perfect balanced weekend, I think, where I didn't play the whole time and I didn't work the whole time, but it was absolutely wonderful. Whatever you did, I certainly hope that you had an absolute blast. So now turning to July the 4th, how many of you actually know the history of July the 4th? Well, it was on July the 4th, 1776, during the American Revolution, that the 13 colonies officially seceded from the British Empire by signing the Declaration of Independence and creating a new union of their own. Historians have argued over whether this is really the right day to celebrate since the Second Continental Congress actually voted to approve the resolution of independence on July the 2nd, 1776. In fact, one of the founding fathers who later became the second president of the United States, John Adams, wrote to his wife that July the 2nd would be celebrated in future years in commemoration of American independence. So maybe that was the real celebration, and that's when we really should have been doing all our cheering and carrying on and celebrating. It does appear, though, that the reason for celebrating on July the 4th is that while Congress might have approved the resolution on July the 2nd, the Declaration of Independence itself was signed and is actually dated July the 4th. So before you start thinking we completely messed this up and we got it absolutely wrong, that is not actually the case. So there is some logic behind the reason why we actually celebrate Independence Day in the the United States on July the 4th. 
And speaking of founding fathers, did you know that both John Adams and Thomas Jefferson were the only signers of the Declaration of Independence who later served as the second and third presidents of the United States respectively? Both of these men died on the 50th anniversary of the Declaration. That would have been July the 4th, 1826. I know. And by the way, John Adams is not to be confused with John Quincy Adams, who was the sixth president of the United States and the son of John Adams. So the Adamses, if you're thinking the Bushes were the first father-son combo to sit in the White House, that is not true. The Adamses were the first father-son presidential. Wow! Mm-hmm. Another founding father was James Monroe. He did not sign the declaration, but he was the fifth president of the United States. He died, get this, on July the 4th, 1831, becoming the third president who died on July the 4th in any particular year. Go figure. Um, Isn't that interesting? The 30th president, Calvin Coolidge, didn't die on July the 4th, but he was born on July the 4th, 1872. (laughs) Oh, that was loud. And he is so far the only president to have been born on Independence Day. Go figure. Such interesting facts. So speaking of interesting facts, a discussion about American independence would not be complete without talking about Juneteenth. Because back in 1777, independence from the British didn't actually mean that all Americans were free. You may remember from a history class that President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation on June 1, 1863, freeing the slaves, right? So as we say, uh, 1777 to 1863, enough time had passed already. And, but nonetheless, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. Well, wouldn't you know it? Nobody bothered to tell the slaves in Texas they were free. I'll let you come up with your own reasons for why that was. But anyway, it wasn't until uh, two, more than two years later, June 19th, 1865, that the Union soldiers landed at Galveston, Texas, with news that the war had ended and the slaves were free. The document was General Order Number 3, and one of the General Gordon Granger's first orders of business to read it to the people of Texas. Can you imagine? He strolled, I don't know how he got into town. He rolled into town, he strolled into town, he rolled on a horse, who knows? Anyway, he, I'm guessing it must have been a horse, just give it the time. But anyway, he gets into town, And he makes this declaration, and he says, 
the people, it began as follows. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it started with, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves. And the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and free laborer. I'm going to guess that the response to that declaration from both the slaves and the owners probably sounded something like this. Well, you can imagine the variety of reactions, I am sure, from shock, horror, to absolute jubilation. On the other hand, this was two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, and 86 years after the Declaration of Independence. So, I do not think that we as Americans should be overly cheering about that. In fact, we ought to be ashamed. <laughs> May the door close on the behinds of all the narrow-minded people who insisted on keeping that slavery, that state of slavery going in Texas. If that makes you mad, imagine how mad you would have been to find out that you had been free for two years. You were entitled to a paycheck for two years, and you're still slaving away, literally, for master so-and-so. But hey, there you have it. All that to say, if you didn't already know, Juneteenth is the oldest known celebration commemorating the ending of slavery in the United States. Now we move on. We're going to swing around the world just a little bit while we're talking about the joys and the celebration of independence since every country has its story. In celebrating July the 4th, I thought it might be fun to take that trip around the globe very quickly and visit just one or two other countries, maybe more than two, as well. You can't do it, really, without thinking about the late icon who continues to be an icon of the struggle for freedom and independence from oppression, the late, the great, the amazing. Who do you think of? The one and only Nelson Mandela. Africa is interesting because many people don't realize that it achieved independence from Britain on May 31, guess what year? It wasn't 2004, it wasn't 2010, it was May 31, 1910. Wow! That was overshadowed by the legislative establishment of the apartheid system of government 
by the British and the Dutch from 1948 to 1994. Yes. And for all those of you who've heard the term apartheid and aren't quite sure exactly what it means, the apartheid system of government classified inhabitants into four racial groups. Native, which were the black folks, white, colored, who were typically um, biracial um, people, and, and colored, typically I'm from Zimbabwe, and, and the term colored usually was ref- used to refer to people who had a black parent and a white parent, um, and Asian. So those are the four classifications, native, white, colored, Asian. And residential areas were segregated and people were forced to move if they lived in the wrong neighborhoods. Naturally, the greatest beneficiaries of this system were the white and Africana minority, while the original owners of the land, the black majority, were stripped of citizenship and forced into one of ten tribally-based self-governing homelands called Bantu stands. These places, it's a little bit like... um, you know, it's a little bit like the separate but equal concept of, uh, you know, the, the, the United States and the Jim Crow laws. You know, theoretically, they were supposed to be separate but equal, but they really weren't. They were horrible, horrible, horribly um, inferior compared to where the white people Four of these Bantustans became nominally independent states. The government segregated education, medical care, beaches, and other public services, and very intentionally and systematically provided black people with services far inferior to those of white people. Of course, you know that the years of apartheid also included the imprisonment and murder of freedom fighters like Stephen Biko and most famously, of course, Nelson Mandela. Fast forward the current times. I have to tell you, uh, I have a lot of family, my sister, who live in South Africa. So I have uh, my sister, Nyasha, and my cousin, Tamara, and her family, and I have a lot of cousins. Coco lives in, in Johannesburg. A lot of cousins who live in Johannesburg. And m- many of them, and I have a lot of friends too. Hi, Blessing, if you're listening. A lot of them have done quite well. And they get to live in the homes that were built and established for the formerly, you know, white Africana minority. And I have to tell you, a lot of these houses would put most luxury places in the United States to shame. I thought I was doing pretty well until I walked up in my cousin's house. She has a tennis court. She has a swimming pool. And the house is this sprawling mansion. And you just kind of wander around and you just like, is there just one person and one family who live here? Amazing luxury. So all that to say, there was a huge difference. And then you go to the tribal areas, the rural areas, and you see the poverty, and you see the stark difference of how the whites and the blacks used to live. And now you've got a few more blacks who live that way, but still South Africa has a long way to go to equalize that historic um, disparity between the whites, in particular between the whites and the blacks. So as we said, fast forward to current times, Freedom Day in South Africa is the official Independence Day. It is celebrated on the 27th of April every year and commemorates the first 
democratic non-racial elections held in 1994. So if you were surprised when I said 1910 and you're thinking, boy, I thought it was a lot more recent, that's because Freedom Day is held in, started in 1994, and that was the first time that blacks were allowed to vote. And that was the year when Nelson Mandela, affectionately known as Madiba, was elected president of South Africa. Freedom Day is celebrated to pay tribute to all those men and women who have made relentless efforts and sacrifices on behalf of the oppressed masses. And in tribute to all of them, I thought I would play for you a clip if you've never heard it. This is a um, song that was for a long time uh, translated and used as the national anthem for many countries in the, uh, on the African continent. And in case you're one of those ignorant people who thought that Africa was a single country, this is the one time you get excused because actually this song was like if you went to Zimbabwe, you heard it. If you went to South Africa, you heard it. If you went to a whole bunch of African countries, you heard it. Now, you would have heard it if you are paying attention. You'd have heard it in different languages, and that should have been a cue. But you would have heard it, and it translates into God Bless Africa. This particular version is the South African version. It's called Nkosi Sikelela Africa. And it was sung by the marionette. So in Zimbabwe, we sang the same song. We called it Isha Komporera Africa. That is the native language. That's my native language, actually. That's Shona. And um, that is what it, was, it sounded like. So in South Africa, it's Nkosi Sikelela Africa. In Shona, it's Isha Komporera Africa. Uh, same thing, exactly the same tune, just different languages. Fascinating stuff. Moving on, speaking of Zimbabwe, the land where I was born and will love till the day I die, it is the home of one of the major tourist destinations of the world today, the absolutely amazing and spectacular Victoria Falls. It is, uh, Zimbabwe is an independent country situated in the southern region of Africa. And in case you did not know, Victoria Falls, the original name of those waterfalls is actually Msuatunya Falls. And Msuatunya means the smoke that thunders. And if you've ever visited Victoria Falls, you will know exactly why they called it that. Victoria Falls, as you might imagine, uh, was the name that was given to it by the uh, English uh, colonialists who turned up and declared themselves to have discovered Victoria Falls. Sort of kind of like the way Christopher Columbus discovered the United States, despite the fact that there were already a whole race of people living here. But we digress. Anyway, um, 
The Republic of Zimbabwe enjoys an independent status and is a member of the United Nations. The country, however, gained its independence after years of struggle against, oh, if you didn't already know, you guessed it, the British. Zimbabweans have celebrated our Independence Day on April 18th since 1980. Moving right along, let's go around the world to China. What can we say about China? It is one of the world's oldest leading civilizations consisting of states and cultures dating back more than 600 years. Wow! Oh, yes. China is the world's longest constantly has the, is the world's longest constantly used written language system and also the source of many of the world's greatest inventions including the four great inventions of ancient China paper the compass gunpowder and printing now you can be now you might be thinking wait a minute i thought the the egyptians invented paper no no the Egyptians, and by the way, for all those who don't know, Egypt is located in Africa, the birthplace of all humanity. The Egyptians used papyrus, but paper and the Pope papermaking process was said to be developed in China during the early second century. Interesting thing, right? Because two completely different civilizations came up with completely different ways of putting things on some, uh, putting words in some tangible form for preservation. You can kind of see human beings were all sort of kind of similar in our thinking because clearly they were trying to solve for the same problem and they did exactly that in two completely different but highly effective ways. The last Chinese civil war created a deadlock that resulted in two political entities using the name China. The People's Republic of China, PRC, administering mainland China, Hong Kong, the Macau, and the Republic of China, administering Taiwan and its surrounding islands. Did you know that? You probably already know that China is the most populous country in the world with more than 1.3 one billion people. We have all watched its rapidly growing economy, advances in research and development, military spending, and other capabilities that have caused China to emerge as a well-known superpower in the world. The Chinese celebrate their Independence Day on October 1st every year, marking the foundation of the People's Republic of China. The Central People's Government passed the resolution on the National Day of the People's Republic of China on December 2nd, 1949, and declared October 1st as the National Day or Independence Day of China. The National Day is the beginning of one of the golden weeks in China. October 1st is celebrated throughout mainland China, Hong Kong, and Macau. Celebrations include fireworks and concerts. Public places like Tiananmen Square in Beijing are decked out in a festival theme and portraits of admired leaders like Sun Yat-sen 
are publicly displayed, and that is how they celebrate their independence. So there you have it. Next, we move around to India. How did India get its independence? Well, let's see. I'll let you guess who India got its independence from. And hopefully you know, um, because if you have any concept of international global history, you will know that uh, India, like Zimbabwe and a whole bunch of other uh, countries, was colonized by the British. So how did independence happen? Did the British wake up one day and decide it was the right thing to do? Nope. In 1946, World War II had just ended and had depleted Britain's resources. The Labour government didn't have a mandate at home, international support, or reliable forces in India to continue oppressing an increasing, uh, increasingly restless uh, Indian people. And so it decided that it was going to end the British rule. Yes. The Independence Independence Day of India is celebrated on the 15th of August to commemorate its independence from British rule and its birth as a sovereign nation in 1947. This is a national holiday in India. All over the country, flag-hoisting ceremonies are conducted by the local administration in attendance. The main event happens in Delhi, the capital city of India, where the Prime Minister hoists the national flag at the Red Fort and delivers a nationally televised speech from its ramparts. In his speech, he highlights the achievements of his government during the past year. It, it sounded to me a little bit like the American State of the Union speech. Raises, uh, he raises important issues and he gives a call for further development. Doesn't that sound like a State of the Union address? The Prime Minister also pays his tribute to leaders of the freedom struggle. And this brings us right back to the United States. One year, I found myself in the federal building in Columbus, Ohio. I was there for mediation. And one of the walls was lined with old iterations of American flags and the stories that went with them. One story really grabbed my attention, and it was the the story of John Paul Jones. And I want you to listen closely because there is something that I want you to take away from the story of John Paul Jones. This guy was born on July the 6th. 1747. He died on July the 18th, 1792. He just missed uh, being born on the 4th of July, notice, because he was born two days later. His mama might have been going, ah, doggone it, I missed it. Anyway, Jones was a Scottish sailor and the most well-known naval fighter in the American Revolution. He was best known for his brave and successful fights in British waters during the Revolution. This dude was a fighter, let me tell you, to the point where he is sometimes referred to as the father of the United States Navy. That is just how bad this man was. In one of the battles, his personality and attitude really came through in a way that is instructive for all of us to listen, and this is where I want you to pay attention. 
So in the battle of Flamborough Head, Jones was sailing the Bonhomme Richard when he came into conflict with the HMS Serapis. Now the names aren't that important, but just it was a battleship, okay? So first, he tried to lock the Richard and the Serapis together, but he couldn't escape uh, the damage done to his ship. So that wasn't going to work. When the Bonhomme, his ship, was sinking, the British captain in the Serapis, the other ship, cheerfully taunted him and told him, why don't you go ahead and surrender? Now, I don't know if those were the words he used, but basically this guy was taunting him and telling him, dude, it is over. You need to surrender. (laughs) And feeling pretty pleased, I'm sure he was. So here's the part about John Paul Jones that so impressed me. This dude is standing on the Bonhomme, his ship. And guess what's happening to his ship? It is sinking. Oh, yes. And obviously overcome. But he yells back at the British captain, I have not yet begun to fight. He's subsequently boarded and took over the surface and lived to sail another day. So that is what I want you to remember. When it looks like all hope is lost and you're standing on your ship, whatever your ship is, it's your job, it's your family, it's your marriage, it's your kids, it's that daughter you've been trying to teach the straight and narrow path. It's that son who just turned up and told you his, his, his girlfriend is pregnant and he's only 16, whatever the circumstance. When you feel like you are standing on the Bonhomme and the Bonhomme is your sinking ship, I want you to remember John Paul Jones and you yell, I have not begun to fight. And whatever it is that you have done to that point, you double your efforts because guess what? You will rise again. And as long as there's breath in your body, you have the opportunity to overcome. And you stay up and you keep your chin up, as my Uncle Combo told me to do when I first came to the United States. He said, stuff is going to happen and it's going to be difficult, but whatever it is, you keep your chin up. This is the spirit of American independence. This is the spirit of South African independence. This is the spirit of independence for all those who have fought, all those who died for something greater than themselves, even as they couldn't see it in the moment of their death. You sit there and you fight. You fight every day for the things that are right. And that is what I am going to close with, and hopefully you will be encouraged, Mr. John Paul Jones, in your mind, because I certainly do, whenever things look kind of bleak, I'm like, hey, God is in heaven, and guess what? I have not yet begun to fight. And that is where we will stop today. Tune in next week when I will be talking to a guest I have never had on the show. His name is Phil Bolster. He is the author of the thought-provoking spiritual book, Through God's Eyes. Until then, this is Speedway saying go in peace and may your week be as happy as your holiday weekend has hopefully been. Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. 
and follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.